All right, if you would turn with me to 1 Samuel 17. 1, I begin at verse 1. Very, very, very familiar. In fact, I touched on this in Sunday school last Sunday, or this past Sunday. And for if there's any theologians watching or, or, or in here tonight, please just understand real quick that these first words that we're fixing to go through, I may say completely wrong. But we're going to go through them, all right? You ready? 1 Samuel 17, 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah. Hang on to that. Which belongeth to Judah. And pitched between Shoko and Ezka in Ephdamon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him, and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a, a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul, choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we, or then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Huh. I feel the Holy Ghost. I just want to preach to you just for a little bit. I've got a few notes, and I've literally got a five-minute sermon. But I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And I want to preach to you on this thought. The valley belongs to Judah. The valley belongs to Judah. Let's just thank the Lord one more time right now. You are an awesome God. You're a mighty God. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Have you ever been afraid of giants? I'm certainly, uh, certainly most have in this place, including myself, have been afraid of some giants. You see, growing up, one of my favorite fairy tales was Jack and the Beanstalk. Anybody in here? We had it on tape at one time, on cassette tape at one time, and I would lay back on my bed and close my eyes and try to imagine the story of Jack and the magic beans and his adventures with the giant as the narrator told the story. 
I remember how terrified I was at the sound of the giant as the narrator's voice uh, would get very deep, very loud, and he would cry out, Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he live or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. Anybody? If you think about it, that was pretty scary stuff for a little kid. Here's the giant who knows that you're hiding in his house, and he's threatening to find you and to kill you and then grind you up. I would always close my eyes tight at that moment and at that point and just hang on because I knew that Jack would get away and that he would chop down the beanstalk and that the giant would fall to his death and everything would be okay. But when I got older, I outgrew my fear of fairy tale giants. I came to realize that they just weren't real, that there weren't magical uh, lands and giant castles with evil giants lurking in them. But at the same time, I outgrew my fear of the fairy tale giants. I came to realize in my adulthood for sure that there were real giants stalking our world today, threatening our peace and security, threatening life as we know it. We've had the giants of natural disasters in our world. As we struggle through hurricanes and tsunamis and earthquakes and volcanoes and the list could go on and on. We've had the giant of economic disaster as we've watched our country suffer through recession and flirt with depression. As we've watched inflation grow and the stock market at times tumble and people lose financial security just overnight. We've had the giant of famine and disease with the current fears of a worldwide pandemic and other diseases popping up out of nowhere and then finding people who are going hungry every day. Giants are all around us if you look. And maybe they're not as big as some others. Maybe they're as mundane as a child who has strayed away from the faith or a spouse who says that they just don't love you anymore or a month of bills that's bigger than your, your checkbook, or a boss that says, I have to let you go, or a doctor that says that we've got to run more tests. Giants come in many different forms and in many different ways with many different names, but they all have this one char characteristic in common. They all appear invincible, Right? They all appear bigger and stronger and greater than us. And they all tell us that we can't win, that we can't defeat them, that we can't grow, that we can't move forwards, that, that we have no hope. That was certainly this, the case with the Israelites in this passage that we just read. As this chapter in 1 Samuel opens up, Saul has been made king of Israel. And it started to make some real progress in their struggles with the Philistines because they've been fighting them for a while. They've been fighting them forever. Battle after battle, Saul and his army had won 
the day against the Philistines, but then something happened. Because they, they'd been beating them for so long, but now something happened. Saul disobeys God. He takes glory for himself. And the hand of God turned against him. And the Spirit of the Lord left him. And now all of a sudden, battles that look certain turned into bitter defeat for the Israelites and the army. And they started to lose hope. And the Philistines sensed their advantage and drew up battle lines against the Israelites in Judah at a place called the Valley of Elah. Y'all just stay with me because I, all I'm doing, I, I just broke down the scriptures, all I've done. So I'm, this is my notes right here, and then we're going to preach just five minutes. And here we are. This battle was to be uh, the deciding factor in this war. This battle will settle who was in charge of the promised land. The Israelites were facing a giant in their life, both, both literally and figuratively. They not only faced the giant of battle with the Philistines and the threat of destruction of their people, but they, they faced the Philistine hero, the giant named Goliath. And Samuel tells us here that Goliath stood around nine feet tall. And I know that can be argued by some theologians, but we'll stay around nine feet. And his armor was, uh, was made of bronze and weighed over 120 plus pounds. And just the tip of his spear weighed more than the armor of the Israelites. That's a massive man. That's a big fella. Every day, that giant, named Goliath, would stride into the middle of that valley and shout out to the Israelites, threatening them with his presence, trying to tempt one of them to take him on in a fight for their life. And his presence accomplished what he had hoped for. You see, this is what giants always do. It doesn't matter what type of giant it is. It doesn't matter what problem it is. Anytime you're facing adversity in your life, anytime you're walking in the valley of life, you can become dismayed and terrified. You can lose hope and you can begin to believe that nothing will defeat the enemy that you're coming up against or that you're facing. But let me just tell y'all, that was the message of the world, not the message of the Word of God. You see, if we continue to read, you find three of David's brothers had gone to war with Saul. David's father sent him and sent David to go and, and take him some food and kind of just see how they were doing and how everything was going. And about the time that David got there and found his brothers, Goliath walked out into that valley into the middle of that valley and called out his daily challenge to the Israelites. David looked at the giant and he didn't despair. He didn't get terrified like the others that were terrified by the giant's presence. David looked at this as an opportunity. And so he didn't look at the giant as something that was impossible to defeat. He looked at him and said, when I defeat him, what y'all going to give me? That's what he said. Oh, some could say he, oh, he, he was being arrogant. No, no, no. David wasn't arrogant like Goliath was. David just knew where he was standing. Oh. 
David volunteered to go and fight Goliath on behalf of the Israelites, not because he was a mighty man of valor and he knew he could stand his, his own against Goliath, not because he was trained in the art of war, but because he depended on God. When Saul questioned David and David told him that he couldn't fight uh, because he was just a boy, Saul told him that, you're just a boy, you can't fight this man. David responded by saying, just, just paraphrasing it, it won't be me that will be fighting him. It will be God fighting through me. Just as God had delivered me from the lion, just as God delivered me from the bear, he will deliver me from this giant. You know what's crazy? And this is not even in my notes. It just hit me. That, that Saul would take his very armor and try to put it on David. You're talking about a man whose head and shoulders taller than everybody in Israel. So you know he's a big fella too. So why not take one of the, uh, the soldier's armor and, and try to put it on David? I believe Saul was trying to be a little sneaky, put it, hoping that David would wear his armor to say later on in his fight that maybe he killed him. Mm. Isn't it crazy how the enemy works sometimes? He's, he's a sly old fella. But this is one thing. David had learned to trust God in all the problems in his life that he had faced, in the valley that he had come to. He was trusting God in the biggest battle that he would ever face at this point. And then we find ourselves in 1 Samuel 17. We'll jump down to 48. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone stuck in to his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran, stood upon the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. So David ran to meet the giant with nothing more than a sling and a stone and defeated him right there in the valley of Elah. The stone struck Goliath in the forehead and he fell down face first into the ground. And then David would take his very own sword and cut off his head. And then they got scared and they fled. And the Israelites would chase them down and conquer them. Despite overwhelming odds, despite the fact that he was against a giant who was a trained fighting machine, David, the shepherd boy from Bethlehem, prevailed and won that day. David was a praiser. And he showed us at this moment that giants can be defeated. However, here's where it gets good or gooder. 
I shared this story. I shared this passage with you all tonight to show you something that jumped out of me a few weeks ago. I've been holding on to this little nugget for a couple weeks now that God gave me. You see, I didn't notice something. And I've, I've heard this in Sunday school all of my life. I've heard it in sermons. I've heard it preached. Uh, just this story. But I've never heard this portion of it. Until I started digging. The valley was owned by the Israelites. In fact, it rightfully belonged to Judah. They had the title deed to this particular valley. Come on, somebody. One side there was a hill, and on the other side there was a hill. Here's the Philistines on one side. Here's the Israelites on the other. And they were hoping because, you know, the mountain and the hill, always at the top, you've got the advantage. But down in the valley, when you think of the valley, what do you think of? You think of troubles. You think of death. You think of just all the bad stuff. That's why it's always said by people that are struggling and going through it, I'm just going through a valley. I'm just going through the valley because you're not on the mountaintop. And we talk about the valley over and over again and how bad it was. And I'm telling you tonight that Goliath stood in the valley that belonged to praise. Judah owned it and it was rightfully theirs. And yet the giant had audacity to stand on something that wasn't his. And at that, something that praise owned. And isn't it funny that God would send someone who was known to be a praiser to defeat the very giant who stood on his land. That land that land belonged to David because he was a part of the tribe of Judah. He was a part of praise. That was his land. Ah, oh. uh, I hope you're listening. I hope you're watching tonight. You know what Goliath's name means? It means exposure. Ooh, we're fixing to get deep real quick. You know what Goliath did when he stepped on what Judah owned? He exposed all the non-praisers. The king included. That's why they were instantly scared when, they, when he stepped on their territory. But now there's no praisers to be found. But little do you know that there would be one that would be walking to go check on his brothers on that day. That would find Goliath, the giant, standing on the valley that he owned. And he said, oh, no, not today. You might come against me, giant. You might be big. You might be tough. You might look strong. But you're standing in my valley. You're standing on my land. And today, oh, that belongs to me. The problem is this. The giants of the world step in the valley sometimes that we're going through. The valley that we're struggling. The valley that has just hit us with, with just all kinds of struggles in our life, problems and situation. And yet the giant is looking at us and we're going, my Lord, I'm scared to death because I don't know how this is going to end. 
when I've come to challenge somebody today and I've come to encourage somebody today, that is your land, that is your valley. It's time to look at the giant in the face and say, not today. I've come to praise the Lord. I've come to worship the Lord in this situation, in this fight. The valley belongs to Judah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I could go around the room. I could go around the room tonight and I could ask you, what are some valleys that you're facing? Church, there's valleys going on right now. People are going through every day. Tragedies, losses, sickness, financial situations, families being broken up, friendships being shattered, our nation falling apart. There's valleys. Valley after valley. And the giant is just hollering. Send me a man. Send me a man that'll fight. And all the non-praisers, they're the first ones out. The king of Israel, the first one who should have been out there, he knew that land was his. He knew that valley belonged to him. But he wasn't a praiser. Oh, you find him in the church when everything's going good. But the moment a giant stepped in his valley, stepped in his territory, he run for the hills and you didn't find him no more. Where'd they go? All he did was expose them. That's all the giants does. They, they just come out to expose you. And then the rest is on you. But I've come to tell some folks today, some that are watching, some that are in this, in, in this sanctuary today, under the Holy Ghost, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, you might be in the valley of your life right now. It might be some darkness around you. There might be some questions, some doubts. But let me remind you, that valley belongs to Judah. And if you'll just learn to say, Lord, through it all, I'm going to continue to praise you. Through it all, I'm going to continue to magnify you. Through it all, I'm going to continue to lift you up. Because that valley belongs to me. Territory belonged to praisers. Huh. Huh. Let me just tell somebody tonight in the Holy Ghost again that the enemy has stepped in your territory. He's in your territory tonight. Let me rephrase it. For some of you, it's your territory. For others, the enemy's just exposed you. And I'm just challenging you if, you, if you've been exposed. It's time to get your garment of praise back. It's time to go get your praise back. Because <laughs> that valley is yours. That valley belongs to Judah. The Lord already gave it to you. The Lord already conquered you. It doesn't matter what giant is standing there. You need to stand up and praise him. That's why I believe, that's why I believe without a doubt in my mind that the Lord said that's a heart. His, he's a man after my own heart. Because he understood. Through every valley that I'm going to face, and David went through some valleys. Some he caused himself. But nonetheless, it didn't stop him from praising the Lord. 
Oh, he was at rock bottom. He lost a child from a sin that he caused. He couldn't even build the church because he had blood on his hands. But yet that did not stop him from praising the Lord. Because he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. In the valley, on the mountaintop, I will bless the Lord at all times. I don't know if you're hearing me tonight. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. Sir, ma'am. Elder, what are you facing tonight? What is it? What's up against you? What giant are you looking at tonight? Because huh. I'm telling you, he's standing in your territory. He's on your ground. I've been through some valleys. I'm going through some valleys. And the Lord just dropped that nugget in my heart and said, David, I need you to understand something as you question my deity sometimes. I, I just, sometimes I just question, God, are you even there? God, are you there? Because I, I'm going through it. I'm going through, through it all. I'm going through the valley, and I, don't, I can't find you. He said, I need you to understand some things. That that very valley that you're going through is a valley that's already owned by you. If you'll learn to just continue to trust me and praise me, that giant's going to come down. That giant's going to hit the ground face first. You can kill your giant tonight. I can kill my giant tonight. But it's up to me, it's up to you whether or not we're going to praise him in this valley. We're going to praise him because right now the giant is screaming. He's defying the Lord himself. And he's cursing all of your promises and he's throwing shade on everything. He's throwing shade on your name. Oh, you lost your mind. No, 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 no. You don't understand, Goliath. You don't understand, giant. That's my land you're standing on. That belongs to me. That belongs to my family. That belongs to my children. That belongs to my spouse. That belongs to my lost loved ones. That belongs to my lost co-workers. I'm not going to let you take it from me. I'm going to praise him no matter what because you will die today. This valley is mine. It belongs to me. I just want some praisers to stand up. I just want some those that, that hadn't been exposed. I want some praisers to stand up and begin to shout in the face of adversity, to begin to shout in the face of their giants right now and say, this is my valley. It belongs to Judah. Ha, ha.
to let go. It's time for some praisers to shout it loose. It's time for some praisers to start swinging their slinging stone. Giant, it's time for you to fall. Because this valley belongs to Judah. <laughs> oh, I know I've said it already. I've said it a lot already. I understand you're facing the enemy in this valley today, but you have the advantage. The advantage is yours. Just do what you do and keep praising him. You see, David didn't have no, he didn't have no sword. He didn't have no bow. He didn't have any of that. He had a sling and he had a stone. And he had some praise. <laughs> because he said, hey, I don't have anything, anything else. But what I do have is I have the name. And I come against you in the name. We need some praisers today that will call on his name. And say, Jesus, this is my valley. <laughs> Oh, that's why it says he inhabits the praises of his people. You want God to live in you? Then you've got to continue to praise him. You want God with you in the valley? Then you've got to continue to praise him. The problem with so many people falling out of the church today and leaving the church today is not because of the valley that they're facing. The, the problem is this. They're only mountaintop praisers. They've never been praisers in the valley. If they ever understood that if you praise in the valley, he'll do just what he did on the mountaintop. My question to you today, if you're watching or if you're here, are you just a mountaintop praiser or are you a valley praiser too? Because I serve a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just touch up on this real quick because I and I've touched on it many times before. But you know what? God was good even before my uncle took his own life. And I preached his funeral standing right here. He was still good before then when he was alive and well. You know what? I'm going through the valley of my life, and I can still stand up here and say 110% that he is still a good God. 
and he still deserves my praise.